Ava Chen was there and I was like, what? Oh she had a little girl and I'm like, what? host welcome back to girl gaze cure your sunday scaries with a new episode and a mimosa but hold the oj get ready for brunch with me and special guests as we chat about all things fashion career building and adulting today i am joined by a refreshingly relatable and inspirationally insightful guest naomi elize at age 25 naomi is an associate market editor at wait for it vogue that speaks volumes about you and your hustle already. Do you want to do a little introduction? Yeah. Hey, guys. Um, my name is Naomi. I live in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. I've moved to New York City about, oh my gosh, yeah, four years ago, starting in February. Wow. Yeah, it's been four it's years. It's almost been your anniversary now. Yeah. I mean, four years is still like baby time in New York, but yeah. you know, I'll take it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been a crazy journey, and I'm very thankful to be where I'm at and very thankful to be on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. I'm so excited to have you on. And just before we get into anything, let's go over how we met. Yes. So I took a class at Newhouse at Syracuse University, and one of my professors connected us because Love I her. had told her that... I, you know, applied for a position at Vogue and then we met up. Actually, it's funny how you guys met too. Yeah, we met on the subway. Yeah, I remember she told me that she came up to you and was like, I love your shoes. And you guys started a conversation. I know, it was like early in the morning. I was like, oh God, what is happening? And then I was like, oh my God, she's so sweet and so lovely. And I, I need to catch up with her actually. But yeah, it's divine intervention. What an amazing yeah. circle of events. Exactly. Major shout out to Mary Anderson, you rock. So anyway, I came and I met you at yeah. Conde and I remember, I didn't tell you this at the time, but when I came up to the floor and I was waiting in the little like lobby area, I turn around and I see Anna Wintour. <laughs> I literally, I was shook. Yeah. I had never seen her before and I feel like everyone views her as kind of like a mythical being. Like it's, oh, she's definitely. behind the scenes, but nobody really sees her, but everyone knows that she is a genius and just... I oh definitely I freaked out. I saw her and I was like texting everyone. I was go to go to my mom. Oh my god! I literally just saw Anna. I should have warned you that you would have probably <laughs> ran into her. She's like there at seven and leaves oh at seven. My god. Like she is well, literally there every day in the grind and the thick of it. Oh my god! Well, it's crazy because I've been to Conde multiple times and I've never seen her. So it got just it. caught me so off guard. And then by the time when you came out, I was like still shaking because <laughs> like shook. Like, and I'm like hey what's going on exactly so basically NBD I literally saw Anna Wintour in the flesh <laughs> so guys in today's episode we're talking about Naomi's career journey what it was like to attend New York Fashion Week networking within the industry and of course fashion advice I am so excited to get into this episode it's such a great one and uh, yeah but before we do you guys know the drill already let's get into the gaze of the week before yes. we get into today's episode every episode begins with the gaze of the week which is basically just a thought or realization big or small that you've reflected on during the week prior yes Oh God. Okay. So I think my girl gaze of the week would have to be me realizing that I need to 
do stuff at my own pace and not let the pressures of everyone and everyone else's expectations take over and kind of overwhelm myself. So I've been, you know, pacing myself with all of my projects, including my podcast and kind of making sure that I'm going at the pace that's good for my mental health because back like last year when when I was really in the thick of it and producing more episodes and like doing more content for social you know I kind of got lost in it and also felt very overwhelmed and very stressed out and anxious and there's you know I there's a lot going on in our lives right so you have to make sure that you're doing it and you're not you don't get to the point where it's not fun anymore right you want to make sure that you're having fun and you're doing the best that you absolutely can yeah so that's my gaze of the week (laughs) i love that gaze especially because once you pace yourself and you know you figure out when you're gonna do what yeah i feel like the product is even better and almost more authentic in a way because you're not just trying to get it done to get it done. Most definitely. Yeah, most definitely. My gaze kind of relates to yours. Mine is all about setting boundaries with work or I guess really anything in general. Right now, I feel like I'm at a point in my career, (laughs) my six month long career, guys, and I feel like I'm I'm struggling a little bit with setting boundaries at work because I just want to do the best job I can. I want to be the best assistant that I can. But sometimes I will come home and I'll still answer emails or I'll still be thinking about something or I'll still be stressed out about something. And it's kind of hard to shut off even when you're not in the office. But, and I've had this conversation recently with a few people, it's really important to be able to mentally set boundaries with work because if it's all consuming all the time you're probably going to experience burnout or you may sometimes even resent your bosses which is not a great thing because you're not going to want to do your best job right so i feel like it's all about compartmentalizing different thoughts in your mind and just being able to shut it off when it's not necessary So, and I'm not saying that I'm even able to do this because it's hard, but it's definitely just something to think about and to just keep you sane because if you're always thinking about work or always thinking about homework or stressed out about whatever it may be, it can take a toll on you. And we're out here trying to live our best friggin' lives and we don't have time for that. (laughs) So I think it's just something for everyone to think about. Something else I've been thinking about recently, very serious topic, is shopping, okay? So you guys may have seen that Mixology has been dressing me this past week for Fashion Week, which was so fun. I got to go to their stores and my friend Sam helped me style all of my outfits that I wore. And guys, they are killing it with their new arrivals. They are so freaking cute and trendy and chic. So make sure you head to their website at shopmixology or shopmixology.com and treat yourself. I have 15% off for you because I love you guys. It's girlgaze15, so make sure to just pop that little code in when you check out and bam, you have just gotten 15% off of your brand new outfit. Shout out Mixology. All right, so let's kick off with Naomi's career journey. So I went to Florida State University and I studied 
and this is a mouthful, retail merchandising and product development, mm-hmm. and I minored in business. Okay, cool. So did you always know that you wanted to go into fashion? Up until about my sophomore year in high school, I thought I wanted to do medicine, and that mm-hmm. kind of changed. Like, I wanted to be a vet, and then I wanted to be, like, a full-on doctor, and then I wanted to be a dermatologist, because I was like, it's the easiest doctor in my <laughs> head, but, like, it's the same amount of schooling. I don't know what I was thinking, and I was so in it, just because that's kind of what my parents wanted, mm-hmm. right? Like, mainly my father, and that's all I knew, and then I got introduced to Tumblr, my freshman year Mm -hmm. of high school and that kind of led me into my love for fashion and it it was an incredible journey because I would when I would go grocery shopping with my mom like I would buy a Vogue and Elle and Teen Uh Vogue and she'd be like why are you buying $15 worth of magazines right now and I'd be like I need this (laughs) and yeah no that kind of started my journey in around I would say my senior year of high school I kind of took the point and I was told my parents I was like I want to be in, I want to work in fashion. This is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like deal with it. Yeah. And so I went to Florida state had the best fashion program in the state mm-hmm. just because, you know, going out of state is very expensive. Okay. So wait, so you're from Florida. Yeah. Oh yeah. wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. I'm okay, from Florida, cool. mm-hmm. South Florida. Nice. Nice. So when you graduated, where did you like first land? Yeah. So I was already in New York because we had like this dual internship situation Mm. for our final semester. So my second semester, I interned in New York. And so I was already interviewing by the time like I was about to graduate. Mm. And so I landed a job at a PR company. And so I literally graduated on a Friday and I moved to New York, like officially, officially on that Sunday. Oh my God, that's crazy. I was insane. I literally, we went to Harry Potter Worlds on Saturday. <laughs> that, was my, that was my graduation present. It was the best <laughs> present ever. And, um, and then I moved, I like went back that Sunday and yeah, I was at that PR company for about seven months okay, or six months around that, but it wasn't a fit for me. I had a whole different idea of what PR was because of my internship that mm. I was at. I was interning at anthropology. Okay. Nice. And since we weren't at the corporate, cause the corporate offices are in Philly, mm. but their PR office with like three other girls were in, was in New York. Okay. It wasn't as like crazy of a PR gig, right? Like, and I was also an intern. I was getting in at 10, leaving at like five. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is so easy. Doing like two clippings a day. I'm like, this is great. Yeah. I love PR. Mm-hmm. It's easy. No, I got into my agency job and it was just everything that I did not want to be a yeah. part of. So let's just hop back to the difference between an internship and a job. Because when I first entered my job, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you know what? Like I have good internship experience and with the magazine that I did at school I felt so prepared and I came in and I was like okay this is way different than an internship most definitely for me it wasn't like the level difficulty or it wasn't that I couldn't do the job it was more so that it was not an interest of mine Mm -hmm. and also the environment in which I was being treated was not the best Mm -hmm. because I feel like if I were were to have landed in a different agency that may have been a little bit kinder to their employees Mm -hmm. and also took the time to care for them my life could look completely different Mm -hmm. than it is right now because I definitely was a great publicist but it also wasn't a passion of mine. And also, I think a lot of times with the 
difference of realizing, oh, from my internship and then going into my employment, as an intern, you're also not being given the heavy lift work, right? You're given the little task and you tend to then equate that coming over to a new job like, oh, I got this. I've learned everything when really you weren't you weren't hooked up with those tools Mm -hmm. to begin with. And it's kind of like a whole relearning. You're very fresh. You're very green. Um, So, yeah. I would say that's kind of the difference mm-hmm. that it was from in my experience. Yeah. How did you deal with being treated poorly? Were there any um that I you mean, learned? I was so young. I was what, 21. I was mm-hmm. still I was 21. I was in a new city even though like I interned in New York for like two summers before that and it wasn't new to me in the landscape but Mm -hmm. being there for full time it's difficult like you you want to meet new people you want to meet friends and then you want to be in the industry and get into it and so for me it was kind of a big like shock I definitely I think I was definitely very sad for a while like in around summertime I think Mm -hmm. that was when it was kind of getting very heavy at my job and I was on about seven accounts imagine I'm a very new account coordinator on seven accounts when really you should only be getting like two if not three pushing it a lot of pressure um I mean I didn't really deal with it that well my mom was my rock I would call her during the day Mm -hmm. like go into the bathroom and cry And she would just be like, you need to quit that job. And I'm like, I know. But, you know, I kind of pushed through until I figured out or found a position that really worked Mm -hmm. for me. So how did you find that next position at Vanity Fair? So it was through my freelancer at the time at um, the agency I was working at. She kind of, because we were in a separate office Mm -hmm. and she knew everyone was miserable. It wasn't just me. Like Mm -hmm. everyone was leaving. No one wanted to stay in the office. And so she just pulled me to the side. She's like, oh, because she just got a job. She's like, oh, I already got a job, but Vanity Fair is looking for a fashion assistant. I know you mentioned once that you wanted to go back into editorial because that's where I started my internships. Mm -hmm. I started at Seventeen Magazine. And so I was like, yeah, why not? Like, who knows? Yeah. I I remember it was a rainy, rainy day. I left. I went to Condé Nast. I interviewed and... I was so prepped with all my Vanity Fair. Like, I had all these different (laughs) articles. I was like, they're going to ask me the craziest questions. Such an amazing interview. But it was also very funny because he asked none of the questions that I thought he was. (laughs) And I was so prepared. But, like, I can interview. So I'm like, okay, this is going to be fine. And then I found out, what, by the end of that week that I was, I got the job. And I was like, all right, bye, y'all. I put in, I think I only put in a week. And I was like, I'm done. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you... Of course, obviously, Vanity Fair is an amazing gig, but even if it was a different gig, you have to put your mental health first, and that's something that one of my mentors taught me. If If you're somewhere and you are really unhappy, listen, I do think that you definitely should have a job lined up before you leave any place, Mm -hmm. but evaluate how you feel when you're working. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So how was that experience working at Vanity Fair? It was great. I mean, I met so many people that are now my lifelong friends Mm -hmm. and my bosses who have been so incredible for me that I still have contacts with to this day, you know, and I got to go on set, which was really incredible. I love going on set. You know, it's it's a great experience that I've never had before Mm -hmm. and it gave me all these skills that I now can apply to my job. 
today. Um, but yeah, I'm so thankful for my time at Vanity Fair. I was actually I was there for about four months until moving to Vogue. So mm-hmm. it was it was short, but also it felt like a lifelong, yeah. you know, and it was a great experience. Mm-hmm. I have no complaints. Yeah. So how did you meet those lifelong friends that you were just talking about? I worked with them. Um, I would say like Isabella Burns, who now works in PR, has her own agency. Mm-hmm. Like I, I go to her. Like she was one of the first people I told that I interviewed at Vogue. Who she then told Michael Carl, who was the fashion director at Vanity Fair at the time, who then spoke to Selby Drummond, who was the accessories director mm-hmm. at Vogue. And then put in a good word, and I got the job within an hour of me interviewing, right? Guys, literally networking is so, so important. important. Going off of that, what would you say is your biggest piece of advice for people looking to break into the fashion industry? You know, reach out to people. I Either they're going to ignore you or respond to you like three weeks later mm-hmm. or respond to you right then and there. It doesn't hurt to reach out to people, whether it's... And this depends on the person. Like, for me, you can DM me, and I'll just give you my email to reach out Mm -hmm. to me there. But maybe it's finding their email and emailing them or asking them for, like, 10 minutes of their time and going to them, bringing them coffee, etc. Like, really getting out there and seeing if you like... I don't know, like, someone in the industry that you really admire, then reach out to them and see if they just have five minutes of time to kind of talk to them. And then going from there is knowing how to market yourself. Mm. Come up with a project that you want to do, something that you've always thought of, and just do it and just get that experience, even if it flops or if you just, like, realize, I don't want to do this anymore. It's something that you can kind of put... It's like a project for yourself, and it also gives you that little little oomph to show people I'm doing something regardless of where I'm at, regardless of what position I'm in. I'm still, this is where I want to be. This is the industry I want to be in. Love that. You're literally preaching what I said in my first episode. Yeah. So bring me up full circle. So it's like important. Also, not just networking. It's like when you're in these positions, it's, and you have your bosses that are in your managers in front of you. Like you need to make sure that you're utilizing them to Mm. the max right and it's also about putting in that time with them and also wanting to help right wanting to be the best assistant that you possibly can because that's what makes you stand Mm -hmm. out if you're just doing the bare minimum it's yeah you're gonna kind of slide by but you're never gonna stick out and you're never gonna get these other positions and moving on because no one wants to be a fashion assistant for the rest of their life right like you're in that position for like a year if not like a year and a half and then you want to move on and go on to a bigger position exactly so when you started your position at Vogue, you were a jewelry and accessories. I was assistant. a jewelry market assistant, so okay. only jewelry. Yeah, I, it was crazy. It was, I remember going into my interview and I was like, ah, yeah, I'm this jewelry girl. I had so much jewelry. I stole all my jewelry from my friend Danny. <laughs> and I was like talking about this jewelry, but I'm not a jewelry girl. Like now I am kind of. But it's funny because I... It was like, ah, I gotta talk this up. But like it's something also a skill that you kind of pick up too and you yeah. you're doing it so much. Like we were all the jewelry we got for all the shoots was crazy. It's a crazy amount. And it was so interesting to also see the different price points and start understanding the different uh like just finishes on jewelry and like seeing something be like, Oh, this style, this is a Valentino look. So as a jewelry assistant, you were doing a lot of check-ins and check-outs and got to experience 
some cool shoots as well. How long were you in this position for? I was in that position for about, I want to say six, seven months. Mm -hmm. And then I was poached by Selby Drummond to be her assistant, right? And for those of you who don't know, Selby Drummond used to be the accessories and special projects director at Vogue. She was there for many years, but now she's actually the head of fashion and beauty at Snapchat. And it's kind of interesting to see how some of these industry leaders who started out in editorial and were killing it have now moved over to different parts of media. But anyway, you mentioned that you were only there for a short time, right? I was only in that position for about three weeks Mm. until... Virginia asked me to interview for the fashion market assistant position, which was on staff, Virginia Smith, and mm-hmm. she is the fashion director oh, nice. of pretty much everything. Okay. <laughs> so how did you catch their eye? I mean, I think it's just about my work ethic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm very on top of what I do, and I also make sure that my managers, I... I expect the unexpected, right? Mm -hmm. If there's an issue and I foresee it coming, I don't let it get to the point where my manager has to take care of it. Mm -hmm. I try to take care of it before it gets to them, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that my bosses, which was Grace Gibbons and Selby Drummond, recognized that. And that's mainly one of the reasons why Selby wanted me to be her assistant. And so I was in that position and I was learning so much from her in that short three weeks But I think then once the position opened up for, which was essentially a better position, Mm -hmm. you're on staff, right? Like those, those roles don't exist anymore. (laughs) And so it was, it just so happened that Virginia, like, I think I've only had like a few instances, interactions with Virginia, Mm -hmm. right? Because I mean, I was on the lowest totem pole in terms of fashion magazines Mm -hmm. and she's the fashion head of everything next to Anna, right? And so I think once there was an instance where Grace was out of work mm-hmm. and she was just out sick and I was answering the phones and answering emails and trying to be on top of it for her, that may have also been the little catalyst mm-hmm. to them wanting me to go on to be yeah. the fashion market assistant. That comes to show that even if you don't think anyone's watching... Oh, they're always watching. They're always watching. Always watching. Since now with me, with our younger editors and younger assistants, like you really notice who actually wants to be there and who is kind of just there because, you know, it's a job, right? Mm -hmm. And so those people that want to be there are going to be the first ones that are going to get promoted. Mm -hmm. I also feel like it's just so important to go into something that you're passionate about because if you're passionate about it and then you see the ladder, like the path that you can go on, it makes you want to work hard because I know when you first start, you're not necessarily doing all of the most glamorous and amazing things. Definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) Like You're going on the runs, you're doing the grunt work. But obviously the grind was worth it. Oh yeah, definitely. So tell me about your position now. Yes. So I am now the associate market editor at Vogue. And basically what I do, so in terms of when I say like market editor, a lot of people get confused and they're like, like you do marketing? No. no. (laughs) So market in terms of what I cover Mm -hmm. and what I request. So I handle the French market as well as the lingerie, swim and kids market. So what that means is if a stylist wants a Chanel look, I'm the the market editor for it i'll talk to the pr and i have those relationships in order to get that look into the into our office so they can shoot Mm -hmm. it and same goes with laundry swimming kids if one editor wants really itsy bitsy 
bikinis. I'm in charge of getting those bikinis and making sure they fit exactly what she wants. So are these for photo shoots? Or yeah, these for photo okay. shoots. For print? For print, yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm mainly print. I'm now more so going to be working with .com more for like market and shopping stories, mm-hmm. but that's coming in the future. But yeah, mainly print. Um, in, also, in addition to handling the markets, it's about coming up with ideas for the magazine. Every season, we have a meeting with Anna and we go through our ideas, fashion ideas, in terms of who we want to see on the magazine, mm-hmm. who we want to see in it, what brands are new that we would like to see mm-hmm. or highlight, and just also just down to fashion stories, yeah. you know? So what do those meetings look like? Is it in a conference room? Yeah, Anna just in, there? A, in a conference room. It's with all the heavy hitters of Vogue and, like, all your editors, everyone. It, were you ever nervous to speak up and share your ideas? Um, most definitely. I mean, it's an intimidating space. You're with... A bunch of the most powerful people in the fashion industry right and there comes little old me with my ideas right <laughs> but it's important to speak up like February of last year mm-hmm. I spoke up about my friend Christopher John Rogers his show and at this time he was still fairly new I mean mm-hmm. he's in essence he's still new but I brought it up and then Anna was like, okay, set up a meeting with me to meet him. And then from there, he was able to get a meeting with Anna and everyone, all the other heavy hitters. Then I recommended him to see if we can get him for the fashion fund. He got into the fashion fund and then he ends up winning. Okay, first of all, amazing. Second, for any of you guys who don't know what the fashion fund is, it's technically called CFDA slash Vogue Fashion Fund. And it's all about supporting emerging designers and the winners end up with a cash prize to help fund their fashion brand. And now he's dressing everyone, right? He blew up. He's, and with good reason because Mm -hmm. his designs are great and we're all very excited to see what's coming for him. But it's it's important to also speak up because you never know what can happen, right? You can never know how you can change someone's business Mm -hmm. just by one meeting and yeah. It, it's helped me realize that either they're going to be like, oh, great idea, or mm, I don't think so, but at least I spoke up, right? Mm-hmm. And who cares about rejection? Yeah. Re- with rejection, you leads to success. I also saw that you are a contributing writer at Teen Vogue. Yes, I was. We started doing these meetings with Rajni, who was the fashion director mm-hmm. of both Allure and Teen Vogue. Now she is just mainly Allure. Um, but she wanted ideas, and she started getting all the pe- all the younger editors that she felt could contribute to Teen Vogue, and yeah, that's kind of where it started. I I pitched a few stories that came to fruition, like I did a natural hair story that was focused more on myself. Um, I wrote about Christopher. I wrote about um, a recent Adidas collab. I I did a more so like feature stories, which I think is more so my. Sp- strong suit mm-hmm. shopping stories i did a few but i i which now i need to kind of buck up because i'm about to be doing a lot yeah. but i don't necessarily get that much i don't know happiness from shopping stories but you know i'm learning more yeah. i like doing more of like a feature and talking about Same. brands and doing that but you know, I'm also, I'm not the best writer. Sometimes when I get the edits back, I'm like, damn, that sounds so good. <laughs> like, why did I think of that? But, you know, it's also just, I'm, I'm 
practicing, right? Exactly. I'm trying to be better as a writer. The more you continue to write, the better you're gonna yeah. become. When I look at the fashion news director, mm -hmm. Shioma, I see what I could be in a few like years. Mm -hmm. So she does more news, like what I like to do. Mm -hmm. But I also get a little scared about writing because it's very, it's like when I release my podcast, it's so intimate and it's, it's nerve wracking to see and have other people criticize something. Mm -hmm. But then again, what I said, only you have to fail in order to succeed, right? I love writing too. And I remember my first story ever. It was my first day of work, um, which was the first day of fashion week. Oh my so God. I literally was on cloud nine for that entire yeah. week, basically. I peaked. But I was sent to interview three, three designers of the new Montclair collection mm -hmm. at their New York Fashion Week nice. event. And I went, I interviewed them. I obviously prepared like a few days in advance yeah. and... I come back to my apartment and I literally transcribe every single thing that night, even oh though God. I had like a few days to do it, but I was like, I want to make you sure. You just want to make sure you did it right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then I start to write it and I'm like, okay, I got this. I got this. And then, you know, I mean, I submitted something I was super proud about and it got published in print too, which was so, so awesome. awesome. But obviously some things got changed around and edited, but again, that's how you learn. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I also think in terms of if you're looking to get into writing, anyone who's listening, make sure you notice what they're changing. Oh yeah. So that for the next time, you'll you'll Actually do it. Actually, pay attention. Exactly. Yeah. No, exactly. And um, read more. Yes. Reading more helps. What is the most challenging aspect of your job? I just think sometimes we get hit with a bunch of shoots at once, mm -hmm. and you know this happened right before the holiday, and we were we got hit with about six shoots oh within gosh. a week and a half two of them being covers one of them being a carne which means it was out of town mm -hmm. in like where was it in jamaica okay so it's a lot of work and then you get hit with all these different requests and so i found myself having like six requests out to saint laurent right and i'm following up on each day like hey me again like <laughs> what's going on with this request what's going on with this request and it's it's all about time management and knowing what to prioritize and being organized mm -hmm. and that's really just the most difficult aspect because you never know some so many things can get lost in a shuffle and if you don't request something and then they're asking about this look and you realize oh shit I never requested this and I thought I did it gets hard to kind of keep up yeah. but it's really just being on top of your on, on top of things and making sure that nothing gets lost mm -hmm. through the cracks how do you stay organized do you do List, color coordination um mm -mm, I'm not like a color coordinator um but I like having my to-do list mm -hmm. that's been helpful yeah that's really all I do um outside of that I kind of I don't know, I organize it in my head. <laughs> like what I need to be doing and I kind of have my routine. I come into work and I will, if I, if, I mean, if I haven't had breakfast, I'll go get breakfast, but then I'll do my follow-ups mm -hmm, and exactly. making sure we have our boards, which is shows what looks we're requesting mm. and I'll make my notes on my board. So then I kind of, once we go over things, I can refer to my board. If I forget about something, I have the notes right there. Yeah. So that's helpful too. So for board, do you print this out? Is it on your computer? It's on our computer. Mm -hmm. We just use Google Slides. So it oh, automatically cool. updates. And oh, like nice. my boss can see all our updates. Yeah. Easy. Cool, cool. For those of you who are curious how we end up pulling full looks from straight from the runway, whether it's Chanel, Louis Vuitton, 
Dior, really any brand imaginable, we will first go to either a PR brand who represents one of those high-end designer companies, or we go and contact the in-house PR team and we will scroll through Vogue Runway and see which looks kind of go with the theme of the shoot that we're going for. And then we will communicate with the PR team and tell them that we would be thrilled to pull look two, look five, look seven, and look 18, but look 18 is our top look. And we'll go a little back and forth, a little back and forth to see what they're able to loan to us. And, you know, sometimes our top look, they may have already loaned it to someone else. So then in that case, you would have to pivot your idea for that shoot. But once everything is confirmed, then we either schedule a messenger or someone to collect the garments. And then once they come into the office, the fashion closet checks them in. And then if they make the final cut, they'll be packed in a trunk and then they'll go on set and potentially be styled. Exactly. Let's talk about New York Fashion Week. When did you first get to go? In general, it would be when I was working PR. Oh, cool. I think it was Monique Lillier. Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure it is. That was kind of the major show that we put in the work on. Actually, I don't know if it was Monique Lillier. Regardless of what show, what was it like to go? I mean, it was kind of bittersweet, right? It was so amazing to be there, be at New York Fashion Week, because mm-hmm. it's everything I dreamed of. But I remember being in the back like... I don't want to be in the back. I don't want to be checking in people. Mm -hmm. I want to be the one being checked in, right? I wanted to attend. And at that moment, I kind of realized that this, I didn't want to do another Mm. New York Fashion Week as a PR person. Cool. So when you went to your first New York Fashion Week event or show as an editor, what was that experience like? So cool. It was so, 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 so cool. What? I sound like a kid, but honestly, (laughs) like, it was such a heartwarming moment and I remember just like wanting to tear up because I was really in this space with so many different people that I admired like I remember going to the Tibby show I was standing but I didn't give a fuck I was like this is great and then I got to see all these different editors that I looked up to like Ava Chen was there and I was like what she had a little girl and I'm like what like this is so cool like I'm really in the same space as other people that I only dreamt of before like I in high school I used to like watch the live streams on my computer and turn off the lights and pretend I was there right and now I'm actually in those spaces it's a whole full circle moment it was really cool for me to go to um I was I also like kind of got emotional I remember from one of my first shows I was online waiting and I was like my god like I'm really here right now and then they check you in and I got to go it was so freaking crazy but our fashion team is on the smaller side yeah so my edit my bosses gave me their tickets and I got to sit front row and I remember I was literally looking around and I was like who do these people think I am right now because this is my first week on my job first job out of college and I'm sitting there I'm like no big deal like just freaking out in my head yeah but you deserve (laughs) you deserve and no, I mean, I remember, I mean, I got goosebumps yeah. when, I, when the first model came out and then I hear there's a, a huge like wall lined with yeah. photographers like on top All of each this, other trying to get the pictures. That sound is so crazy when you're near them I and you know. hear them shooting away and you're like, wow. I didn't realize that you literally hear it's click, it's click, 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 click. Yeah, click. no, it's, it's so much. It's crazy. Or when you hear them like in the middle, move to the middle. <laughs> And you're like, girl, you better get show. <laughs> yeah. 
No, exactly. But something that actually surprised me about New York Fashion Week was that there's a lot of influencers. Oh my god, yeah. There's so many influencers. It's it. The front rows are inundated. Kind with them. of sickening, but you know, all power to them. True. It's true. crazy. I know. It's crazy because. A few years back, it was all editors lining editors up front rows. Editors and buyers, mainly yeah. retail. Mm-hmm. But you don't really see that many, um, I mean, retail retailers come to the shows yeah. as much as it was in the past. Because mm-hmm. I remember even when I was doing um, seating back when I was in PR, and that was, what, four, four years ago? There was so many retailers that we would invite and magazines, and I don't think we... There was really never like an influence. It was really friends of the brand. And now to watch it kind of shift into this whole influencer culture is very interesting. And I, and you know, I think it still is important for brands to have those influencers that are, you know, marketing their brand and stuff. But it gets to a point where you're looking around and you're like, what is going on? Yeah. (laughs) And something that really blew my mind was I was surrounded by influencers. I could just tell everyone was on their phones and no one was communicating. And I was like, no one's actually paying attention to the show, which breaks my heart. And, you know, like they're only videoing to get content for their page. Right. Because they want other people to look at it. And Mm -hmm. it's not it's not like content. Whereas for like our writers, right? They're taking videos or pictures because they literally have their notepad out because they're writing reviews. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember after every single show I went to or anyone on my team, we had a Slack and we would have to write up like a few sentences about if anything crazy happened. Yeah. So I remember I went to the Rebecca Minkoff presentation and there was a mom breastfeeding. Yeah. So I wrote that down immediately and then it went to the collage that was it that went into the paper the next day. Got it. So let's talk about networking at events. Um, Fashion week or not, how do you build relationships walking into an event not knowing anyone? Um, It's really just, I don't know, being nice, introducing yourself. And for the most part, people are going to introduce themselves to you as well. Mm -hmm. It's keeping that um, line of conversation together and you know, also taking in the room and asking questions and asking about the collection. Mm. When I first, I like met Christopher through Instagram, but then I went to his like first presentation and I was able to get a few words with him, but we got to chat and then that kind of built our friendship Mm -hmm. from there. And same with a bunch of other designers. I think it's honestly just being yourself Mm. and, you know, not being afraid to start out conversation and not feeling like... Like, you don't belong there because you do. You're in that room. So mm-hmm. making sure you're making that time to talk to people and just, I don't know, being a decent human being? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. During my first week, I was definitely intimidated. And I'm a, I'm a pretty oh, confident so person. so intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. But I'd be going to these events and doing interviews with different designers. And I remember I, I interviewed Adriana Lima for her BCBG collaboration. And I wanted so badly to stay and to, you know, make conversations and network. But I, I was overwhelmed and I left yeah, and I was like, so many people. yeah, immediately after I texted my mom and I was like, I wish I like met someone. Mm-hmm. So, but now you can use that, that experience in other events. Like no, exactly. this, I'm not saying that I don't get overwhelmed still. I still get overwhelmed and pretty intimidated by my my whereabouts because you never know like I I also work in such a 
like my market is pretty you know the top like luxury like the french is what a lot of our fashions come from mm-hmm. and a lot of what our designer like our stylists want yeah. right and so when i go to like these chanel cocktails or these Vuitton cocktails i remember last year this is last year or the year it was i think it might be a year and a half ago i was still an assistant mm-hmm. and it was the launch of grace coddington's collection with lv amazing and i went into the cocktail and i remember just being like oh my god this is like the top top editors right like people that are way like have 20 years on me on experience and here i am an assistant like what's up hey guys (laughs) and so it's intimidating i left after about five minutes and i was like oh god thank god i got out of there because it's you know it's also people that i've never interacted with Mm -hmm. so after that i was like okay Next time, I'm going to stay a little bit longer and try to talk to one person. And you kind of build from there, you know? Exactly. Don't don't be too hard on yourself. Yeah. That's why I'm really excited for Fashion Week coming up because I feel like now I can take a deep breath, go in, give myself a little pep talk in the head. And everyone's nice. No one's one's going to be, like, rude to you or whatever. I think for the most part, you're going to... It's gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be okay. At the end <laughs> Hopefully, <of> the <laughs> same with me. <laughs> um, so once you've met these people, how do you maintain your relationship with them? Um, I think it's about seeing them again, like at other events, mm-hmm. making sure that you're saying hi to them, and you know, I'm definitely the worst at that at times. Like I tend to, if I see someone that I've met like once before, I tend to kind of avoid them. Mm -hmm. Cause then I get that anxiety of like, will they remember me? You know, like that's stupid. Like I think everyone goes through that. And I've been trying to be better about like saying hi and be like, oh, hey, we met at blah, blah, blah. Like, how are you doing? And then from there, maybe connecting with them on social media or exchanging numbers, getting coffee. I don't know, kind of just trying to keep that line of conversation Mm -hmm. constant. Exactly. I was just going to bring up social media because for me, I feel like it's just so it's it's easy and it's also just fun. Like if you post a story and I love your outfit or something, I'll comment on it. You know what I mean? And even with my old boss, I worked for an influencer before Mm -hmm. my gig right now. And you know, I'll give her the clapping emoji if she, if I'm proud of her for something that she's accomplished. Um, And even though it's like a little drop in, I feel like it's still something that keeps you connected. Yeah. You're connecting with people. Yeah. No, exactly. So what, is your go-to outfit for these types of events? Or does it depend on the event? Um, I think it depends. I mean, I don't really have a go-to outfit. I feel like right now I've been more experimenting in the whole like London, downtown, cool, out like feel, Mm -hmm. like very heavily inspired on Asai and Moa Loa and Charlotte Knowles, kind of that whole feel, very like heavy on leather. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's more so what my style is, but I I can also get very girly and people are like, what are you wearing? Is that a smocked <laughs> dress? And I'm like, yeah, it's cute. <laughs> but I mean, for these events, I don't know. I, I just try to, I guess, go like heighten my style, mm-hmm. right? I still want it to be true to what I'm doing, but also take a risk and just do something that I wouldn't wear on my everyday. Yeah. What do you wear to work? I dress how I would dress if I'm going out, mm-hmm. not like to the club, but like out yeah. on a date night or just out with friends, mm-hmm. right? I 
I think it's still with a level of professionalism, but especially in our industry, there's such a fine line where it's like, you really can wear whatever you want as long as you don't look too crazy, yeah. right? Why is expressing style important to you? Because it's an extension of who I am, right? And it also, you know, people make their first assumptions on you from looking at what you're wearing. And mm-hmm. as terrible as that sounds, it's true. And I think if you can have fun with it also, you want to feel good. Like, I've had times where I was like, okay, I'm going to try to wear this outfit, but I wasn't 100% into it and also didn't feel 100% comfortable. Mm-hmm. I left the house and you, it could really ruin your day. I'm like, oh, I just feel, I just don't feel myself. I feel drab. I feel ugly, blah, 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 blah. Like, it can really change a mood, mm-hmm. right? So you want to make sure that you're comfortable in what you're wearing. Yeah, yeah. And I also think it depends on the mood that you wake up in. So oh, if yeah. I wake up I'm like, I feel confident. I feel like a bo- a girl boss right now. Oh, yeah. I throw on my hot pink blazer. Yeah. <laughs> That's just what I do. I feel like it depends. And then other days I'll wear head to toe black. It, it depends. Oh, most definitely. <laughs> like, I have times where I'm, like, super grunge. And I'm, like, this total grunge girl out. Like, leather on leather. I have this cool-ass shirt on and these high boots. And then the next day I'm in, like, wandler boots, tall boots, and, like, a trench coat like I'm like a whole different girl yeah. like I don't I don't limit myself to one type of style just because there's so many different styles that you could have fun in like, I love that sometimes you want to wear a cute little dress and be like super like girly mm-hmm. but for the most part I would say my style is very like heavily inspired with leather and wanting this like downtown underground mm-hmm. cool girl um but more in the summers is when I'll kind of have a little bit more fun with mm-hmm. it. Because I'm just cold now. So mm-hmm. really, I know. <laughs> really, what's the warmest thing I can wear? Exactly. <laughs> what are some of your favorite brands, high end and low end? High end would be Moa Loa. I wish I can afford all of the trench coats that I can. <laughs> it's so expensive. Same. Fuck. Also, I do love Helmet Lang. I love Marnie. Marnie more so kind of I think I like the menswear a little bit better mm-hmm. than women's wear but it's I feel in like now. that's everything mm-hmm. I really I've started to really love Charles Jeffrey I just bought a pair of pants that I've gone on sale oh my god I've been looking for these pants they're like eight hundred dollar pants I got them for one sixty oh my god that, that is a win my, that's my win of the week that's actually my girl days moment of the week I love a sigh I have two of the tops. I mean, I wouldn't te- necessarily think of Telfar as low end, but it is a little bit more affordable, mm-hmm. and I definitely am a Telfar girl. I recently just bought a pair of pants. I'm also, I love pants and boots. Pants and boots are my thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's really important to invest in shoes. If you're going to oh, invest yeah. in anything, like I recently bought these Stuart Weitzmans. Cute. Um, and they're my staple. I wear them every single day, and, you know, it was a big blow to it's my expensive. paycheck, but... But then you realize I'm wearing this every day and also I want this. And also in the state of our environment and our climate and everything, it's like life is way too short to really not get the stuff that you know will benefit your mental health and like what you want to wear. Exactly. Right? Mental health. Like whenever I wear these, I you just, feel good. I feel more successful feel in my good. life, honestly. But it's also like don't push it too far where it's like oh, yes. I need to buy every single thing for my mental health like, no 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 <laughs> not saying that but it's like once in, once every month if like you really want like to spend 
because one, you work hard for your money and you shouldn't feel guilty yeah, about that. Yeah, you should reward yourself. I mean, I literally blew so much money on the essence sale, but I got like four things that I've really been wanting, yeah. right? And then I feel good and I looked at the stuff. I'm like, I don't regret this. This is something that I wanted and I made it happen for yeah, myself. Yeah, I think there's a Carrie Bradshaw quote and she was like, I like my money where I can see it. Oh, in my definitely. Closet. In my <laughs> I also like to see my money in my savings account. That's true. Yes. I, I think I finally, I found the balance last year of saving and also investing in my clothes and investing in other stuff. Share like your secret arts. with us. I mean, honestly, I really, I really just put money aside from my paycheck and give myself. So like from my paycheck, each each paycheck I'll put 500 into my savings right and then the rest I'll put make sure I have money for rent and then make sure that I have money on stuff that I want to spend mm-hmm. like on one piece of item or two articles of clothing and then ubers and like food but you know in life, in life. <laughs> yeah and like the, the other little things whatever I guess I'll Groceries. spend money on food <laughs> fuck it whatever but I think I've, I've gotten to the point where I know how much I can, you know, spend and how much I can get away with. Yeah. But I make sure like last year I did the 10K challenge and I was able to do that. And now this year I want to like you save $10,000. So I was able to do that. And then this year I want to try to double it, but we'll see because that's a lot of fucking money and I don't get paid enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, same. I'm an editor. So saving and I'm like, I'm basically poor. But we're doing what we love. Yes, so. we're doing what we love. It's okay. I'm starting this like new little section uh-huh. in the pod, and it's like a rapid fire game, and nice. it's called Keep or Kick. Let's do it. 2020 fashion trends: low waisted jeans, kick, padded headbands. I hate headbands. Oh, same, kick. same. I kick cannot deal with padded headbands. Dad sneakers, keep. Cowboy boots, keep. Biker shorts. I'm wearing them right now. (laughs) (laughs) Blazers. Oversized or just blazers? Both. Oversized keep. Regular ass blazers kick that to the curb. (laughs) Tiny sunglasses. Kick. Logomania. Kick. Cheetah midi skirts. Was that like the cheetah skirt Uh situation? Kick it. So what other print are you obsessed with besides cheetah? That's not necessarily a print. I like an all over art print Mm -hmm. situation. Cool, cool. I don't really like, I mean, I like animal print. I've been photographed in animal print. I'm not saying that I do, but I don't think I would wear an all over cheetah print dress again. I did that two years ago and Mm -hmm. I didn't even know it was cheetah. It was crazy. I literally, <laughs> I thought it was just polka dot. And this this photographer stopped me and was like, so tell me why did you chose to wear this cheetah print dress? And I was like, this isn't cheetah. <laughs> He's like, mm, yeah, it is. And I was like, mm, I, gotta I go. think it's polka dot. Bye-bye. <laughs> so let's talk about work-life balance before yeah. we head out. What do you do on top of your editor position? Yeah, so on top of that, I do a lot of like freelance modeling mm-hmm. um, for brands like like Nike. How'd you get involved um, in that? I think just kind of people like people seeing me through social media mm-hmm. and reaching out to me, and I have like a little following, so I think a lot of brands want to have some 
they want to be like collaborate with me, mm-hmm. right? So that's really that. But I definitely could never do that full time. I don't yeah. think I could ever be a model full time just because I. It's like again being, you're not as in control and you're kind of in the behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. But I'd say power to all the models because it's a hard. Game, oh yeah. Okay, that oh, is yeah. tough. Being on set all day and then having two days of set work, it is exhausting. Even just one day, I did a little modeling back yeah. in my heyday, and it's it gets it's it drains hard. you. It's difficult. Yeah, no seriously. Um, but other than that, I also I have my own podcast, mm-hmm. and it's called So What Do You Do Again. And I started that back in, I want to say April of last year. Um, and it's been an incredible journey. I, I kind of, it, it blew up and I didn't even expect it. Mm-hmm. I kind of was like, this is going to be my passion project. I'll do this like once a month. Mm-hmm. Like I'll drop an episode once a month. It'll be great. Easy peasy. Having a podcast, and I'm sure you know, is so difficult. And yeah. it's, it's a lot, you're giving yourself a lot of work right Mm -hmm. but it's so well worth it and i've learned and met so many new people through it and i'm really excited to see where it goes this Mm -hmm. year um i just think for myself i kind of need to find a balance between doing my podcast having a full-time job making time for my friends doing my freelance work on the side if that's modeling or just content creation on i Instagram Mm -hmm. Um, and also making time for my boyfriend making time for my family because I'm also going through a whole it's kind of a difficult time for myself just within my family Mm -hmm. so it's a lot of pressure on all parts of little parts of my life where I'm like I'm gonna combust if I don't have time for myself like an hour because most of the time during the week I after work I have something for work, you know? It's like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't stop. And I get home at, like, what, 11? So it's about trying to find that balance this year and, you know, going from there. Yeah. How how do you think you're going to find the balance? I need to take a day and kind of plan. My game plan for the podcast and who Mm -hmm. I want to who I want for season two how I want to be a little bit more active on Instagram but it's hard Mm -hmm. I think I may get an intern to help me with that um but we'll we'll see um but I want to take not necessarily a day but I really just need to sit down and do it and like plan it out and Mm -hmm. I just haven't had the time to do it because I always overextend myself so I'll probably do that tonight Good. That's your gaze goal of the week. That's my gaze goal of the week. It's to do that tonight. Love it. Yeah. Two in one question answer for you guys. Let's just jump right into the gaze goals of the week then because that's the perfect transition. So each week we end the episode with a realistic self-care goal to kind of cure your Sunday scaries and start this week off on the right note. So on top of planning your week, do you have any other gaze goals? I really just want to do a crazy scalp scrub on my hair and do a deep deep condition because my sister, she got me this uh, hair steamer from Christmas and it just arrived. So that's like what I want to do. Yes, gotta try it. And that's all I want to do. That's like what I'm looking forward to tonight. I just have a few more little things I have to get through little um task and then i'll, I'll be done yeah by like five o'clock and then me time self-care time. <laughs> love it my self-care goal for the week is one i freaking need to get my gel nails off immediately <laughs> they've been off for too long my nails are too long like i 
need, you need I need a lot. refresh. Yeah, I think I might do a gradient. I you kind should. of want to like play with it. You should do that right after this. Yes, I probably will. Honestly. Yeah, there's so many good spots in Brooklyn. And my second goal of the week is I recently bought pans, and I know I said in my last episode that I was going to cook. cook and you can do it. You know, it didn't. It just didn't happen. You're I, gonna I'm cook sorry, tonight. guys. Yes, I'm gonna whip it up. Well, actually, tonight my family's coming into the city. <laughs> so not tonight. And we're going out. So. <laughs> Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yes is yes. <laughs> Amazing. I'm very excited for you. Well, thanks so much, Naomi, Thank for, you for coming having on. Me. This was so much fun. And guys, before you head out, make sure to follow along at Girl Gaze Pod and at Taylor Bradford. Naomi, where can they find you? My Instagram is at Naomi Elize, and that is just N-A-O-M-I-E-L-I, Z as in zebra, E-E. And then for my podcast, it's at So, What Do You Do Again? And yeah, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, you name it. Definitely check her out. If you guys end up DMing her or whatever, make sure you tell her that you found her from Girl Gaze Pod. And lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, please give us a little subscribe and a little love in the review section. And thanks so much for joining me. And I can't wait for the next episode to drop in two weeks. Bye, guys. Bye.